Live from Drury Lane, this is Austin Danger Podcast, the only randomly curated Austin Powers podcast on the internet. I'm Kev, and as always, I'm joined by super producer extraordinaire Mackenzie Wilkes. What are you doing in my swamp? <laughs> doing really Folks, good. They, the hits <laughs> just keep coming. <laughs> they, they don't stop coming. You know what I mean? Just when I thought I was out, we're doing Shrek on Austin Danger Podcast. <laughs> Great, Pacino. That's right. Shrek. 2001 Shrek. The time is finally here. Oh, it's here. This is a biggie. This is a biggie in terms of our oeuvre because of Mike. That's true. And because of Shrek. Shrek has really taken on, as we'll discuss, a life of its own. Yes. Over the years. First as a meme for people to dump on. But then the kids have kind of reclaimed it. Mm -hmm. But have they reclaimed it or are they also dumping on it, but in a postmodern, obnoxious way? I don't know. Remains to be seen. Who knows? Not me. But what's most important here is that at the bottom of the hour, we're talking about the DreamWorks classic Shrek. But first, Mackenzie, it's time to talk about what we've been watching in the last week. I was wondering if you would enlighten us on any movies, maybe any legendary movies, any (laughs) well-known future episodes of Austin Danger Podcast mm, that you may have watched. Ooh, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I... I'm just not finding any time to watch movies. It's been so bad. I helped a friend move. I've had doctor's appointments. I've had lots of D&D games. I've been busy this week. But uh, when I'm not editing a podcast or being busy in other ways, I've been playing some Cyberpunk 2077, uh, which sure. has been fun. Because I haven't. it's been a long time since I've played a new game. I tend to just play the same games I've been playing since high school just over and over and over again. Um, so it's been really fun to experience a new game and a new story and a new world. And just being in that world has made me so curious to finally check out Blade Runner, which is a movie that's been a, that and 2049 have been a huge kind of blind spot for me as a cinephile. And so, yeah, this week I just kind of sat down and rented the OG Blade Runner. I did watch the final cut because I texted you and was like, Kev, I know there's like 15 versions of this movie. (laughs) Which one should I watch? Um, so for people who are Blade Runner heads, I watched the final cut and yeah, I thought it was really cool. I mean, God, it's so visually stunning. It's like such a beautiful movie. And obviously I see where a lot of the influences, uh, came from in terms of cyberpunk, like the vibes are identical. It was very fun. I was playing cyberpunk and there was a, a, a quest line where you have to look into someone's dreams and there is a, a little like list of what they're dreaming about an electric sheep is one of them. And I know that's a reference to the original book of Blade Runner. So, womp, womp. <laughs> so it's all there, but it's very really fun. Yeah, no, Blade Runner was really great. I, you know, there was like, I think I wrote, I wrote a pretty long review for it. I plug for my review. There was like themes I felt weren't fully explored. And I'm like wondering if 2049 maybe does those more. And I think that maybe even on another watch with a bit more, I don't know, rumination on them, those themes might come out more to me. Cause I was reading a ton of threads of, people debating whether or not Deckard is a replicant or not, which I found really, really interesting. A lot of threads of sort of the the debate over the years that have happened on whether or not that character is replicant. And it just, there was a really amazing quote I found from Philip K. Dick, who talked about how he, he always thought of Deckard as a human. And he thought that 
he wanted to show the parallel of replicants becoming more human while Decker dehumanizes himself more while he kills them. And I saw that a bit, but I wish the replicants in the film, I guess, had a bit more of an empathetic or interesting side to them. Like I felt like we had one kind of empathetic replicant, but the others didn't have a lot to say for themselves in a way that I, except for that amazing monologue that's iconic at the end. I just wish there was more of that for those characters so that I could care about them more and feel that conflict a bit more. Um, there's a horrendous love scene in this movie. I oh, could not it, believe it is <laughs> even the most fervent, biggest fans of Blade Runner will admit that the love yeah. scene is oh, capital H horrible, horrible. And I couldn't believe it. And a part of me was like, I guess in noir, the guys do kind of bat the women around a bit, but this was like so uncomfy. Um, so those are my issues of Blade Runner. <laughs> I'm going to get to it. But in general, I mean, God, it's amazing. The tone, the atmosphere, the acting, the visuals, the cinematography is amazing. The 4K, I, I, I just like bought it on Apple in 4K. Um, it looked incredible on my 4K TV. Um, so like there's my little narrative issues with it. But like pace, its pacing is really great. It flies by. It's just so great to look at that, like, I'm not mad I watched it. And I'm so excited to watch 2049. Uh, you know, I love Denis Villeneuve. So I'm excited to watch uh, watch 2049. I kind of want to read the book. I'm, I'm, like, in it. I'm in the cyberpunk world right now. And I'm down. Amazing. I'm down to clown. Neil Stevenson, when? Well, I only watched one other thing this week, but I believe you are going to discuss it. So do you want to tell me what you watched this week? Yeah, I actually watched a ton of stuff. I just had oh. one of these days where it was like nonstop raining for two full days here. <laughs> and I was feeling a certain sort of way. And when you feel that certain sort of way, you sit around and watch movies all day. Mm-hmm. One of the movies was Shrek. Hooray. Woo. And you guys had no idea. Isn't that great? <laughs> I kept the secret. But one of the other ones was Peter Pan and Wendy, the new David Lowery film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Regular listeners of Austin Danger podcast know exactly how I feel about live action adaptations of Disney films. They are content mills that are just generated to get children's eyes on Disney Plus. They are money laundering schemes. <laughs> they are designed for you to hit the button by accident after the <laughs> Mandalorian episode is over. I am not convinced they are to do anything else but launder money. Um, And you'll hear more about that in future episodes of Austin Danger Podcast. However, if every couple years David Lowry could make a a good, presumably good salary doing like (laughs) totally fine movies. Yeah. That's fine by me. This movie is totally fine. This is like the ceiling for me, probably, of these types of movies. Mm-hmm. Where you're not, even the most like Cruella, for example, was well made, but I was sitting there like, why does this exist? And then, have you seen it? Oh, yeah. Yes, I have. You've seen it. We've talked, we must have talked about this. The post credits of Cruella made me want to jump in a ditch. Oh my Um, God. When she, spoiler alert, brings them Pongo and- Yeah, uh, when the reveal is that 101 Dalmatians happened because of Cruella- and that a Cruella 2 would be a remake of 101 Dalmatians. Stupid. In the ditch. <laughs> Look, Everybody involved part... with that? Boo box. Get the in boo the box, boo box. The boo box. Here's the thing. I will put Emma Stone in the boo box only because there was a moment when I was watching Cruella where I felt like I had been watching it for 10 years. She had her big villain end of movie speech. I clicked over my little 
pause button and there was 35 minutes left and i said excuse me <laughs> excuse me it looked fun there was also a needle drop every six seconds in that movie it was so distractingly overstuffed as a film um but peter pan and wendy i think has a more deft hand to it yeah it's a little slow takes a while to get going it's very familiar it has some new ideas yes but but like like david Lowry's other stuff right certainly this is the way this is similar to the green knight you really gotta work to get at those new ideas but when you get there they're pretty interesting i thought not to, I, i'm not gonna give it away but yeah i liked what they did with hook i feel like hook is and again i won't spoil it but i think that with hook is where they made the most changes from the source material and from other adaptations I, that worked a ton for me i personally didn't love how like other themes from other adaptations and the source material were left out they i feel like there was yes. a lot like that was just totally gone a lot of stuff that uh, especially relating to wendy a character they tried to sort of make a bit more important they left a lot of the conflict wendy feels the lost boys a lot of the conflict that i think would have paired well with how they set up her relationship with her mother you know in other adaptations this isn't a spoiler if you've seen other peter pans like wendy sort of struggles with faux motherhood with the lost boys at a certain point and that kind of isn't there and so there was there was like other parts from other versions i i missed in this so they added new stuff but they took too much out i think for my taste which is why i landed at a fine area yeah, I think I have it at three and a half. And even that is very high. Yeah, I'm at three, I think. It's, it's Yeah, it's somewhere in there. I mean, I don't think it's a bad movie at all. Again, no. a David, David Lowry is incapable of making a bad movie, in my opinion. <laughs> I agree. Right? Whether it's this or The Green Knight or The Old Man and the Gun, which sticks out like a sore thumb in his work, but is wonderful. Mm. I, I just don't think he's capable of making a bad movie. Uh, so yeah, that's Peter Pan and Wendy. I thought it was all right. Again, Disney Plus, though, very dense. Dense, but with not a lot going on materially. Mm. Jude Law, though, I will say performance sensational as Captain Hook, one of the best hooks. I think, I think he might be my favorite hook, yeah. In terms of just like though how they expanded his character and Jude Law's performance was really good. Although I will say for me, between Peter Pan Goes Wrong on Broadway <laughs> and Hook... And this film, mm-hmm. if I never see Peter Pan again, it'll be too soon. That's literally tired. the opening line of my review for Peter Pan and Wendy <laughs> is that I'm just like oversaturated in Peter Pan content. Yeah, it won't. It will not fill you. I'll say this. It will not fill you with the existential dread and despair you felt watching the 90 minute practical joke that was Robert Zemeckis' Pinocchio. <laughs> right? Like you won't be like, I'll never watch a movie again watching Peter Pan <laughs> and Wendy the way that you will with Pinocchio. So That's good. So that's really all of it. I mean, Yes, Madam with Michelle Yeoh was great. I think they're taking that off Ooh. Criterion this month. Where has Cynthia Rothrock been all my life, really, is how I'm feeling <laughs> Kev, I do want to ask. I noticed that you watched The Fast and the Furious, and then you watched Fast Five. Why did you skip four movies? Yeah, you know, at first I was like, I know what I'll do. I'll watch the first few with director's commentary because dear friend of the show and Avatar cultural impact specialist Silly Oswald was like, (laughs) I'm going to watch them all with director's commentary. And what I learned was two things. Number one, I don't really care that much about the director's commentary or watching the first three or four movies again. Two, 
the series only this is kind of a hot take the first like one and three are great two is fun but the series really gets going with me which is the first one i saw fast five Mm. and i really hadn't seen five six seven eight nine since they came out so that's the journey for me Nice. Because that's the series. The, the the first three are important in their own way because they introduce the first four rather are important because they introduce the whole ensemble. But I didn't know Gal Gadot's character's name the night I saw Fast Five. I still don't know it. And I watched this movie <laughs> last night. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I will also say Fast Five, a future episode of Austin Danger podcast, as is, I believe, all 10, all 12 Oh, At the God. end of the day, there will be 12, 12 Fast and Furious movies. That's too many movies. Yeah, you say that now. Well, they pivoted five times or four <laughs> times. They pivoted four and a half times because The Rock tried to take over the franchise and they gave him his own movie. Oh, is that the um, what's the, the Hobbs one? Hobbs and Shaw? Or is that different? Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. That's right. All right. I'm vaguely aware that my father-in-law is very into the Fast and Furious franchise. So I'm only va- I've never seen any of them, but I am aware somewhat of of them. Yeah, I had a feeling about that. Um <laughs> Fast 5 is is if you were to ask me to list the 10 greatest action movies ever made, I think Fast 5 would be in the top 5. I think it's fucking awesome. It's incredible. Whoa. Whoa. Does it completely make sense? It's Fast 5. What are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> Yes, Madam doesn't quite, you know, track logically either, by the way. And that movie's still great. So, hey, look, I love anything that gives Jordana Brewster a paycheck. So go for it, Queen. My Debs Queen, future episode of ADP, Debs. She's in Debs? She's the lead villain in Debs. Or she's like a villain, but she becomes, she's the love interest. Because, you know, it's like a, it's basically Charlie's Angels, but if they were gay and fell in love with a supervillain and she's the supervillain. She's Damn. great. She's so good in Debs. I'm not kidding. She's really good in that. I got to revisit Debs. Her and Jimmy Simpson, who Rachel loves, are like, they like play off of each other. And Jimmy Simpson's character's name is Spud. Wait, Jimmy Simpson is in Debs? <laughs> yeah, he's the straight best friend of the evil, the gay evil villain. And he's like trying to be her wingman the whole movie. And his name is Spud. And he is the best character ever. I love Debs so much. When Where we do that Debs on ADP, it's going to be such a good episode of ADP. Could be episode 75. You could pick whatever movie you want <sighs> off the wheel. Oh, shit, you're right. <laughs> Just saying. Fast Five could be episode 100 of Austin Danger Podcast, because then it's my turn. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. I'm excited for those ups. I I don't know. Uh, Rarely have I ever been so sure of a choice I've ever made in my life than my episode 100 right now. But it could happen. I can't believe we're we're closer to 100 than we think. We are inching up there. That's time makes fools of us all. (laughs) Speaking of time making fools of us all. Whoop did news. What does it all mean, Basil? Folks, when Mackenzie says these things, these <laughs> these segues, they are off the top of the dome. Yes. Right? Yes, they are. They're mostly like the last thing you said or something similar to that, yeah. But tonight in our Austin news segment, the segment where I take the news from all around the Austin Powers world and bring it to you right here on ADP, I'm going to posit that there are three meanings Mm. to this segue. So appropriate. 
Meaning, number one, we record Austin Danger podcast on Wednesday nights. And generally, when Austin Powers news comes out, it'll happen the morning after we do Austin Danger podcast. And unfortunately, we have some sad news, which is that on Thursday morning, uh, we heard that Jerry Springer, the uh, controversial late 90s talk show host... That's not fair to say late '90s because that that thing stayed on the air forever. Yeah, it did. But Jerry truly. Springer, Jerry Springer passed away. Mackenzie, your thoughts? Uh, first one is Ripperoni, as my friend Kev says. Um, it was weird. I I guess I mean he's an old guy. I think it seemed like he went peacefully, and uh, I'm not sure. I didn't really read too much into it. Um, but it it was really. F- an interesting moment when you texted me about it and me realizing there is yeah there's a huge connection to Austin Powers because obviously he's in probably one of the most iconic scenes where Scott and Dr. Evil appear on Jerry Springer's television program um yeah Jerry Springer was just one of those people that was so ingrained in culture and watching like if you go back and watch old episodes it's just so strange the counterculture like time machine that is a Jerry Springer episode. My mother loved Steve Wilkos, who was Jerry's like bodyguard who ended up having his own spinoff program. Uh, so my mom watched a lot of Steve Wilkos, which I preferred him because he was more about like beating the shit out of, he would like bring abusive fathers in and be like, you're a piece of shit. And just like kick their ass, uh, which I personally love. But uh, yeah, like it's weird. He's so ingrained in culture, but you know, Ripper Rooney, as one says. He, he worked on the presidential campaign for Robert Kennedy, the late, great I Robert found Kennedy. found he was a mayor for a year because when I Googled him, it was like mayor of Ohio. And I said, excuse me, he's a television host. He was the mayor of Cincinnati, which is a city in Ohio. <laughs> the mayor of all of Ohio. I know how politics from 1977 to 1978. So he saw the Star Wars craze mm. sweep over the city of Cincinnati as mayor. <laughs> And the Jerry Springer show, which is just called Jerry Springer, ran from 1991 to 2018. Absolutely wild. What a life. And then from there, he was also on America's Got Talent, and he had his own courtroom show after the talk show wrapped up. The guy, just an absolutely wild life, in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, Jerry Springer and Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me, of course, a take on the group therapy scene from the original film, like most jokes that came back from the first film in Shagged Me, it's like goofy, outsized, wild, cartoony, silly stuff. It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, it's a great scene. It's great. We thank him for his service. <laughs> we wish his family well. Yes. And that's really all we can say. Rip Jerry Springer, another Austin Powers uh, icon. Yeah. Alleged. Uh, no thanks to Looper.com, who wrote, who did Jerry Springer play in Austin Powers as Excuse a legitimate me? clickbait article? Oh, my God. Uh, I'm over these who Austin Powers play? clickbait articles. Also, Today.com, the Today Show, one of the worst arbiters of clickbait. The headline, the headline is some of the best clickbait writing ever. People are remembering Jerry Springer's role in Austin Powers with Dr. Evil and his son. <laughs> People are remembering. People are just People remembering. Are doing it. People are remembering. Did you know? People are remembering. <laughs> uh, all right. So unfortunately, that sad news is the only Austin news I have for this week. Mm. But we do have some news from our sister show, Austin Butler Podcast, <laughs> the only movie podcast about the man who would be king, Austin Butler. <laughs> it's only had the one episode, are... but man, was it a good one. <laughs> 
the show that was so popular, people flocked to it thinking we got Austin Butler on the show and then <laughs> dipped immediately. Hundreds of people did this. We see the listener stats. Hundreds of people did this. That's so funny. But huge Austin Butler news and huge news for future episodes of Austin Danger podcast, because today, May 3rd, as we're recording this, the Dune Part 2 trailer has dropped. Yeah, baby. And they showed us everything. <sighs> we, got the, we got the riding. We got the ride of the worm. The Alaskan the bullworm. The <laughs> <laughs> we got Stellan as the glub go gub galub. People know what that is. We got, Please we got at me Flo. on Discord if you know. We got Miss Flo. Florence Pugh and her little hat. But most importantly, I was on Dune Pod last November. We were talking about Elvis and we were speculating. But the one thing I was sure about is that they weren't going to shave his head. Mm. Wrong. This gentleman is bald AF. I love it. I mean, the Harkonnens are bald in this world. I feel like... Um, I'm glad they're not leaning into the temptation of trying to make him, uh, excuse my language, fuckable, I guess. Not that I, yeah, I'm sure he's someone's type, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like Austin Butler is kind of a pretty boy and I'm glad that, but he's also a very, very good actor. I am tired of all the Austin Butler jokes and the bullshit about him because he's a perfectly fine little actor and I'm a fan. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think he's going to kill it. Like the, the, I feel like stuff that Denny is saying about his performance seems really exciting. I love that they went all the way. He has like blackened teeth and like pointed ears. He looks like a fucking evil elf. It's just like so wild. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I will also say I've taken some peace and solace in knowing all of the jokes I've seen about Austin Butler. Besides besides the meme of Tom Hanks sipping the milkshake and then hearing, and then the subtitle says he's bald, that's funny. Yes. But the rest of them are just like same old crap, totally lame. Oh, he looks like this other bald guy, or which is, I think, not great. And then like, whatever. I just feel like the, the Harkonnens are literally all bald. So why are people shocked that he's bald? I don't, I really don't understand. It's just that's because they don't actually care. The they want to do whatever everyone else is doing on Twitter. So they got laugh reacts. Trust me, as someone who lives off laugh reacts, that's what it's about. I was telling Rachel, I was like, I cannot believe people have me defending a man so often because I do enjoy Austin Butler. And I feel like there's multiple camps of people that like him or hate him. Uh, and I feel like I, I just have a fondness for him. As Twitter says, I feel like we went, I would go apple picking with him in my papa's orchard. Like I just have a fondness <laughs> for the man because I think he's really sweet and talented and I'm really excited to see him in Dune. I obviously love the guy. I think it's telling of his ability to get in people's heads and live there rent free. Yes. That Mr. Elvis hasn't said a word about Austin Butler in months, but everyone around us seems to <laughs> constantly be talking about him and Elvis all the time. Baz Luhrmann's impact that we're all still talking about Elvis. Action. Action. Did you see Boz at the fucking Met Gala? Oh, you did because I yes, tagged you, you in you immediately. Did, yeah, you messaged me. Also, Boz went to the Moulin Rouge on Broadway 900th performance. Me and Kev, listeners, me and Kev live on Boz Lerman's Instagram account, and we <laughs> message his posts to each other every day. Kev and I, if you ever wonder how close we really are off of this mic, we are texting 24-7, and 50% of that is Baz Lerman's Instagram account. <laughs> 
Action. Action. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Dune's great. We're going to watch it. Know. We're going to talk great. about it one day. We're going to do it. It's the second half of Dune. I will say uh, a friend of mine who we'll hear from later in, in our letters segment did say three years ago, and I agree with him ultimately, that I wish that there was a little more psychedelia in the film. Mm. Um, but for ex- for exactly what this is, looks great. No notes. I mean, maybe we'll see it because isn't it part two when, when Paul goes into the desert and has his little whatever <laughs> his drug trip yeah he drinks the, the, the water and yeah maybe it'll get more psychedelic there we'll have to see we saw the water in the trailer so there we go he's been swimming <laughs> but for now that is all the austin news and all the austin butler news mm. bet you didn't expect there to be austin butler news hey we're doing it and you know what else we're doing we're going to the swamp we're going I actually don't know the name of the land they live. Duloc. We're going to Duloc. We're going to the swamp. We're talking about Outer Shrek. Du- Duloc Heights. Duloc Heights. <laughs> um, Kev, do you want to bring me into the world of Shrek? Once upon a time, in a land not far from far, far away, there lived an ogre named Shrek. Shrek lived alone and loved it, wallowing in shit and brushing his teeth with bug guts and all sorts of other fun, gross things to the tune of Smash Mouth. But one day he finds that his swamp has been overrun by fairy tale creatures. The herald of such creatures is a sassy talking donkey, who Shrek wants nothing to do with. Angered and enraged by this, the ogre begrudgingly brings Donkey to Duloc to talk to the villainous Lord Farquaad and try to get this handled. Why are these fairy tale people coming into my swamp? You get me? <laughs> Farquaad is focused on other things. He's focused on trying to find the right fair maiden to rescue and make his wife. He settles on Princess Fiona, who's a sassy redhead locked in a tower guarded by a vicious dragon. We got. He has to find a knight to rescue the princess and in walks Shrek after Shrek like completely destroys his guards Farquaad's like well if you go save this princess from the dragon then you can have your swamp back and who cares and we'll find a new place for these fairy tale people because he wasn't even thinking about him anyway long story short uh, the dragon has a crush on donkey and they save the princess hooray a lot of things in this movie by the way happen over montages of late 90s pop music yes so just imagine that's happening as we're doing this but princess fiona of course has a dark secret which is that when night falls she loses the visage of a princess and becomes an ogre just like shrek 
Shrek hears the wrong end of a conversation and everything gets very dramatic. Leave me alone. I'm an ogre. You said it yourself. Shrek, what are we going to do? Princess Fiona has everything. She does kung fu. She makes balloon animals out of living things. Shrek, what are you doing? Eventually, Donkey blabs to Shrek, and it's time to save Fiona from Lord Farquaad. At the wedding, just in time, the, uh, the curse is revealed. Princess Fiona turns into an ogre in front of everyone. And Shrek and Donkey and the dragon, who loves Donkey, come to the rescue. The dragon eats Lord Farquaad in two bites, which we'll get to. <laughs> we will. And then at the end, and then at the end, over a very, 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 very long version of the monkey's I'm a Believer, Fiona gets in an onion carriage and drives away with her love, the now maybe a little more friendly ogre, Shrek. I love it. Kev, Shrek is a biggie. What? What is your... You have to have history with Shrek, I think, legally. And what is is that history with Shrek? I... We were already into Austin Powers and stuff at this time. I didn't think... This was during a period where my little brother had just been born and my dad was working a lot, so we really weren't going to the movies very often. And... We were driving around doing chores. This is like the weekend the movie came out. And we stop at the movie theater. And my dad's like, I'm going to thank, the, I'm going to congratulate this guy for being in the paper, which is a really stupid cover story. But we go in there and he's like, congratulations on whatever being featured in the paper and two for Shrek. And I lost my gosh darn mind. And then proceeded to lose my gosh darn mind over the next two hours as we saw Shrek. And then obviously, you know, it was just like Toy Story in our house. Mm. The second Shrek came out on video, we had the Shrek VHS and I wore that thing down. I watched it so much. It was great. It was amazing. Yeah. And then I didn't watch it for 22 years. <laughs> so this was my first real full focused watch of Shrek in, in that time. Mm. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I feel like you cannot be our age and our generation without having grown up with Shrek. I feel like, you know, I'm the I'm on the youngest end, I think, of millennialism. Um, but like millennials, Shrek was like the movie of a lot of people's childhoods, including myself. I don't really remember like the first time I watched it, but I remember like watching it as a kid. Um, you know, when I came out, I was it was about I was about six or seven probably when I was watching it and loved it as a kid. And it was just one of those things where like growing up, you are surrounded with Shrek content. Like this movie fucking exploded. And I just feel like there were toys. There were every happy meal, kids' meal at any fast food restaurant you had you went to had Shrek toys. There was the soundtrack that I remember having like in our car because the, the soundtrack is also kind of blew up. Like I remember I feel like we don't as, as much anymore have uh, movie soundtracks that like chart and blow up anymore as we did in the 90s. Right. Shrek soundtrack kind of did that. And so we had the soundtrack in the car. We had the tape. We had obviously I have a lot of nostalgia for Shrek 2 as I've talked about. And I loved that because I saw that immediately when I was a kid. And yeah, I was just like really obsessed with Shrek, but it was also just completely inescapable. I feel like when we were younger, it was just everywhere. And then you're, as you kind of mentioned earlier, it is sort of grown. Like it's gone through 
Shrek has gone through so many phases of pop culture in a way that its staying power is so impressive. Like Shrek is still relevant and interesting to the point where, as we discussed a few weeks ago, when we watched the pseudo cliffhanger at the end of Puss in Boots, you and I both had the pang of, shit, do we want a new Shrek movie? Kinda. Like it's the the staying power of Shrek, I think, is the most impressive aspect of it that it's been like 22 years and people still dig this movie, still watch this movie. It is Shrek is so culturally relevant through memes, through videos, through I mean, Shrek is love, Shrek is life, you know, was this huge thing when I was in college. No, I was when I was in college. I was hoping we wouldn't get there. You know, that was a huge (laughs) thing in college. And then what are you doing in my swamp? You know, dance remix was like, I still think that's really funny. Uh, there's a um, smoke weed every day all-star riff that's sort of a Shrek theme that I think is really funny. Um, yeah, there's just Shrek has this staying power that has been wild. I feel like I've grown up constantly surrounded by Shrek, basically. I still have never seen the third, fourth, or the original Puss in Boots. Me either. I think I fell off when three was coming out, like in terms of like I was getting a little too grown for the movie, those movies maybe. I might have seen parts of three because three, I think, has the princesses in it. Uh, the other fairy tale princesses. You could, yeah. You could tell me anything is in. <laughs> I would believe you. I like, but I definitely have never seen four. I like know for sure I've never seen four. Um, and yeah, I've never seen the original Puss in Boots. I've heard it's very bad, but the new Puss in Boots is very good. So. Well, those are all. I mean, we'll get there. But I, I did want to start just, just baseline, big picture. Yes. This movie is really one of those examples of lightning in a bottle. Yes. Like, the original idea for this movie was going to be Chris Farley and Janine Garofalo. And Shrek was nice and wanted to be a knight. Excuse me? (laughs) It was going to be like, it was also going to be like hybrid live action animation, which went disastrously. The production of this movie, by the way, was a nightmare. Wow. But all the there's so many different combinations of wrong that it went before we got here. It's actually quite fascinating. Chris Farley did almost the entire movie to where after he tragically died, they were going to have his brother come in and finish it. But that's grim. Yes. <laughs> like the brother was like, uh, no. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't, know, I don't know if they actually asked him. Hopefully, cooler heads prevailed on that. But like they brought Mike Myers in. Mike Myers used his regular speaking voice. Would have broken the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Then he came back and said, let me do it again. And he did the whole movie again in the Scottish accent. Can I tell you something like, that kind of breaks off of that? One of my first notes right. of this movie. One, just in general, and we'll get into it. I think the voice acting in this movie is so good. And half the times when you have these big name actors that obviously they're putting in these roles for advertising and to get people in seats. You're like, oh, okay, why didn't you just get voice actors? The actors here sell this so well, and they all do so well. And I think Mike is amazing here as Shrek. And when I was in these first scenes with him, obviously we kind of joke about it when we watched, um, you know, So I Married an Axe Murderer and obviously Spy Who Shagged Me, two films that feature Mike doing kind of a Scottish affectation in those films, with Fat Bastard and with the dad in... Um, you know, murder. Um, but there was something so fascinating to me about Shrek because so often I hear Mike in his voices, but I don't, I didn't hear Mike as much in Shrek. Like there Shrek felt so, even though he's done Scottish before, 
like and we always see those traces of shrek and his scottish characters i don't know why like these initial scenes like i really lost mike in them and like shrek's voice feels so lived in and so natural and like he gives such beautiful line readings uh, especially in those more intimate moments with fiona when he's being really moved and really touched and like realizes people like someone loves him like i just was so impressed with mike's performance and like i didn't i didn't hear him as much as I thought I would in a way that I loved like Shrek just felt so singular. And I think that's another reason why there's this kind of iconic level of Shrek's voice and Shrek's whole vibe is because Mike has done such an amazing job at infusing this character with so much life. It's just a really, it's really great work from Mike Myers. It's amazing too, especially when you hear that all of the actors did all their lines in a vacuum. Yeah. Like they did it to, uh, an assistant who was there. Mike Myers and Eddie Murphy, for example, never met mm. making the movie. That's wild. Cause they have such amazing chemistry when you hear their voices together. You wouldn't think that for a second. Cause I'm all alone. There's no one here beside me. My problems have all gone. There's no one to deride me. But you gotta have friends. Stop singing! Well, it's no wonder you don't have any friends. Wow. Only a true friend would be that truly honest. Listen, little donkey. Take a look at me. What am I? Uh... Really tall? No! I'm an ogre. You know, grab your torch and pitchforks. Doesn't that bother you? Nope. Really? Really, really. Oh. Man, I like you. What's your name? Uh... Shrek. Shrek? Well, you know what I like about you, Shrek? You got that kind of, I don't care what nobody thinks of me thing. I like that. I respect that, Shrek. You all right. And Eddie Murphy is phenomenal in this movie. I mean, every single one of Donkey's line readings are iconic. And he's so brilliantly funny in this movie. Uh, the two of them are next. It's a, it's a, it's mind blowing how good they are in this. If you were in the fourth grade in the year two thousand one, <laughs> and I was, there were two things you couldn't escape: turtle enough for the turtle club, turtle turtle. <laughs> yes, which wasn't even in the Master of Disguise. Oh my it god! It is. There's a part where he says, "Am I not turtle enough for the turtle club?" Right. Yeah, but he doesn't say turtle turtle. No. The way he does. Listen, we're gonna hash this out one day on this show. <laughs> not today. But that was the first. And the second was, in the morning, I'm making waffles. I. Legendary line. Also, for children. I like that boulder. That is a nice boulder. Also an iconic. Very good. And also yeah. the, but you gotta have friends. Stop singing. You know, like, I just feel like that whole section, I was like, these are 15 lines that I used to quote basically nonstop when I was a child. <laughs> And it's, again, it's a testament to the talent of the performers. I agree with you that Mike kind of disappears a little bit. I wonder how much of that is because I didn't really clock Austin Powers that much at this time. Mm. I'm trying to think back now to when I got into those movies. I mean, I was around, I was probably into Austin around the time, around or a little after the time I was exposed to Shrek. There was one moment, and I wonder (laughs) if you... If you sorry, exposed to Shrek. <laughs> exposed to Shrek. I remember if you caught it as well. There was one Austin-y joke in this. Did you did you clock that? 
I I took a note. Yeah, when he's when they're doing the oh I forget the lines. It's when they're making fun of Lord Farquaad being small to Fiona without her knowing, and it kind of gives me the vibe of when Austin does his little recurring jokes to the ladies until they get bored. Oh no! Do you know what I'm talking about? Like oh no no this isn't that that's not what I oh wow all. but but you know like when he's um when like the guy burns you know when Felicity Shagwell shows her tits to him and he's like it looks like he got fired looks like he's a little hot under the collar and they kind of do that with Farquaad when it's like yes he has yes. a bit of a oh my God, short yes. fuse like they kind of do an Austin joke with and I and that was the one moment I kind of clocked Mike in that he'll never be the head of a large corporation. yeah like they, they do that bit with Shrek and Donkey and I, I thought that was really I was like I, 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 that had great. to be an intentional reference to Austin Powers right maybe I don't know. See, but but what's messed up is that it's written. He performed it, and Eddie Murphy is bouncing off of it. So, which came first? I don't yeah. know. Shrek was being developed pretty much right after Toy Story came out and wowed and amazed the world. Shrek is a pre-Austin Powers idea, but that Shrek is Chris Farley Shrek. So, which came first? Who did what? I don't know. Mm. I will say the one I clocked was Shrek saying you're on your way to a smacked bottle, yes. which was improvised by Mike Myers at the director, similar to John Goodman and Lebowski saying life does not stop and start at your convenience. Mm. There's the connection there. He had also used this line earlier. If people remember the music video for Madonna's beautiful stranger. <laughs> that, yeah, that does that. You're on the right way for a smack bottom and I don't care who knows it or whatever. I, yes, I did. I did clock that as well. Boom. Connections. Very good. You know who else was offered the role of Shrek while we're on the cast and performances? Tell me. Nicolas Cage. What would that have been like? I feel like that's a lie. What would that have been like? I feel like that's a lie. I mean, half of IMDb trivia is like, this random actor that was popular at this time was offered the role. And it's like, how do you know that? How do you actually know that? I don't know. That's what they claim. Seems fake to me. Well, if we're talking about cast, I feel like the last two people to talk about are obviously Lithgow and Cameron D. Both, yeah. both really good performances. I want to say I texted you earlier. I was like, Cameron D is on her way to being an ADP legend between My Best Friend's Wedding, which we agreed she was a highlight of, a movie we did not like. That's right. Uh, Charlie's no. Angels. Uh, what else is she in? Oh, my God. She was in something else we covered, too. Mask. Iconically Mask. The breakout in the mask. Yeah. I mean, like, she's she's a bit of an ADP ledge to me. Uh, I do love myself some Cameron D developing a case <laughs> we got to get her in the legends hall before the bad teacher episode yes. takes her out of contention <laughs> before it puts her in the boo box but that's not her fault Bad teacher will put her in the boo box <laughs> uh yeah everybody who worked on bad teachers going in the boo box trust me <laughs> hopefully I saw we'll get there something about mary and charlie's angels full throttle and she'll she'll uh be, be skyrocketed back to our good graces i've never seen either who could say she's great in both uh, but she's great in this. She does exactly. I, I actually love, I, I like her love ogre Fiona. I think she plays the sort of um, self-consciousness that Fiona has. I love, we'll talk about it maybe, but I love that this is kind of, you know, it's like a riff on Beauty and the Beast a little bit in the beginning. And then we get this yes. kind of twist that. The beginning is a parody of the intro to Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And this idea Literally, of like, like, yeah, like there's the ogre, the beast and the beauty that is Fiona. And then I love that it kind of, you know, plays against that right by having fiona also be an ogre and obviously it leads to a lot of other really great 
things in Shrek 2, I think. This idea of Fiona being an ogre and not being accepted by her family. Um, it's it's really great. And I think Cameron Diaz plays it great. And then John Lithgow is just so funny as Farquaad. So brilliant. So great. One of the great, most beloved archetypes on this show. If we could like make a type of role in ADP Legend, the camp god villain. <laughs> Some of you may die, but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Come on. Who lives on Drury Lane? The whole Muffin Man sequence when he's like waterboarding. (laughs) (laughs) Run, run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. You're a monster. I'm not the monster here. You are. You and the rest of that fairy tale trash poisoning my perfect world. Now tell me, where are the others? Eat me! I've tried to be fair to you creatures. Now my patience has reached its end. Tell me, or I'll... No, not the buttons! Not my gumdrop buttons! All right, then. Who's hiding them? Okay, I'll tell you. Do you know the Muffin Man? The Muffin Man? The Muffin Man. Yes, I know the Muffin Man. Who lives on Drury Lane? Well... She's married to the Muffin Man. The Muffin Man? The Muffin Man! She's married to the Muffin Man. Listen, some things in movies are iconic, maybe to you, listener. None more iconic than the Muffin Man in my home. My father, we did... The Muffin Man! The Muffin Man. We did the Muffin Man, like, weeks before he died. We were doing the Muffin Man. Okay, It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We were, like... It is the most iconic thing, it's so and it's good. great. It's outlived Shrek for us, for sure. It's so good. You know something interesting? Not to toot the I love Shrek the musical horn, but I'm tooting it. Um, I love Shrek the musical. It's just this movie, this really perfect, wonderful movie, but with songs that are really good in the middle of it. But they do add a backstory for Farquaad that I thought was in this movie and then was disappointed that it wasn't. So in the musical, Farquaad has a kind of backstory song that's it's one of those filler songs kev you're a musical theater guy so you know it's like that song they just kind of give a guy to sing to pass the time in the in the oh do you mean deep in act two of dear evan hansen after you can't leave <laughs> they bring out the fucking baseball glove yeah like that kind of thing to fix a glove oh my god yeah so farquad has a song like that he has one great anyway. show-stopping number and then he has this backstory number but the backstory explains that his height is caused because he is the son of one of the seven dwarves and that is why he hates fairy tale creatures is because his dad abandoned him and his dad was a fairy tale creature. And I think that actually does give some necessary backstory to why Farquaad is like doing what he's doing in the first place. And I assumed it was pulled from this movie. So I was so shocked when it was not in the movie. So the musical actually kind of gives Farquaad more, uh, more reasoning, but also it's a fairy tale. The bad guy's just kind of bad. You don't super need you know backstory for it but it was very funny because i was sitting there waiting for like that reveal and i was like oh my god i have shrek the musical brain rot because i just thought it was in this movie yeah but you know what they cut the glove stuff out of dear evan hans in the movie too so there you go can we talk about how perfectly paced this movie is it's like perfectly yes. structured. oh my god it's all i could think about lately folks i've been really preoccupied with the passage of time Hmm. half hour in we're in Duloc talking to Farquaad an hour in hallelujah and then like 
we're good. Half hour, everything moves quick. Zip, zap, zop. It's always entertaining. It flows so well. Like we get, we get the opening sequence. We get the setup. We get the duloc. We get the epic dragon castle sequence that is so good with that amazing chase sequence at the end. We get- Shrek's chafing bear bear backside <laughs> yes. on the. I never clocked that before this watch. Okay, mind <laughs> Go on, go on. No, and then we get right. We get the falling in love montage. We get the betrayal that every love story must have. The reveal into the betrayal, and then we get yeah, we get this epic third act. Like it's so well structured. It flies. This movie fucking flies. It feels like two minutes. It's such an easy and like comfortable watch and i loved it when i like i I paused to go to the bathroom like right before they were like going to the wedding and there was 15 minutes left i was like fucking boom baby we're going right into the wedding and the final confrontation 15 minutes we're going to be in we're going to be out we're going to be dancing i'm a believer it's perfect it's perfect i do have one one thing (gasps) tell me a lesser movie i would have actually gone four and a half oh spoilers okay Shrek, right? We love Shrek. Yes, we love Shrek. Other movies, I would have gone four and a half stars for this. But they showed All-Star to test audiences as a, as a temp track. And it was so popular that they had them come back and do I'm a Believer at the end. We all know it's there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The problem with that is you can tell what was inserted into that. And it goes on for... Maybe an additional 90 minutes. I love it. I'm up dancing. I'm singing I, along. I'm jamming. I love it, but you can just tell what was put right. Like you could tell what was inserted because literally there's a long shot of the onion carriage going away that goes into the storybook and the book closes, right? And you could see that shot get interrupted by these new shots of just whatever. You know what, though? Maybe I should just chill out. Maybe I should just hang out. I didn't dock it. Spoilers. Just enjoy. I, didn't dock it. enjoy. I like Donkey doing the kind of ACDC thing with his leg. On his, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Yeah. Like, great, iconic Donkey moment. Like the three blind mice dancing on the keyboard. Yes. But yeah, it's a perfectly, I just think it's perfectly structured. It's just, I mean, I know we're kind of, and again, I'm not anti-long movie. We've discussed this many, many times on the podcast. But there is something really great about like a just perfectly structured 90-minute film. Because sometimes 90-minute films feel long if they're not as well-paced and well-written and well-structured as this one is. And yeah, this flies. I could watch Shrek every day, truly. It's so good. Well, Mackenzie, believe it or not, it is already time for popcorn notes. This, I can't this movie it. is like built for popcorn notes though. Cause like majority of my notes are just silly bullshit. I wrote down. Bingo. If I could begin, please. I watched this movie on God's country peacock. I call it that of course, because with the exception of like poker face and Mrs. Davis, it's a wide open, empty field. God's country. <laughs> um, and also has Yellowstone. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> God's country. So it's on, it's in 4k HDR on Peacock. All right. And while I was afraid, because this is a computer animated movie from 2001, once you take into account that it's a computer animated movie from 22 years ago, doesn't look totally horrible. Now the background humans are all nightmares. But I don't think they're as 
I, I don't think they're much worse than Sid or Al's Toy Barn guy. No. I mean, that was definitely on my mind of like, if I would dock it for something, the animation is slightly antiquated, like not as textured as we're used to animation today being. But I agree that for 2001, it, it actually looks really good. And I'm very forgiving for it because like, I kind of would rather them preserve at least the way it was as opposed to trying to update it in any way. Like, I think it. Oh, exactly. Yeah. No, the. the I know Pixar, when it comes to re-releasing movies, they'll re-render them. Like they'll pull the computer source files out and re-render them at the higher resolution. But that's not changing any textures. That's just re-presenting it in a higher resolution. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that what happened here? I don't know. They didn't say. Maybe they say it on the 4K disc. Probably not. Who knows? But I thought it looked pretty good. Pinocchio in particular, I know we were DMing about it. Pinocchio's texture looked pretty strong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I didn't think it was uh, it was too bad. Not at all. But again, this is the first time I'm watching it since the video cassette tape. Back when it was impressive. <laughs> so who could say? What else do I have here? Shrek pulls out an ear canal's worth of earwax to make a working candle. <laughs> All of the mature humor, it's a little more mature than I remember. <laughs> Although she lives with seven other guys, she's not easy. There's a lot of adult jokes in this, yeah, in a way that, like, I don't know. I think it's one of those things where it makes it accessible to both adults and kids. But, yeah, there was a lot more. There was, like, the moment, the one that was the raunchiest to me was when Donkey was, like, sleeping and was like, oh, yeah, baby, I like it like that, like, over and over again. It was kind oh, of yeah. humping in his sleep. I was like, it fucking excuse me <laughs> i will say i think that children's an- computer animation family and computer animation movies specifically computer animated movies learned a lot of the wrong lessons from this mm. because you have to have a heart to back it yes. up yes my truth in prep for this show i was almost gonna do shark tale i was gonna watch shark tale <laughs> which is dreamworks kind of next idea after this where in my opinion they went totally wrong I think it's a future episode, so I guess we'll go come back to that. We'll figure it out. Oh, the biggest one was the just everyone loves to point this out for some reason because they're smart. <laughs> Papa Bear consoling baby bear, and then later Farquad is he has his feet up. He's on his stomach with his feet up. And there's Mama Bear as the rug. Oh I loved that. So dark. Honestly. So dark. <laughs> Uh, Shrek is nude from the waist down on the on the banister slide. Dragon kissing Shrek's butt. That was also very adult. They get a little sticky with consent there in that scene. The dragon stuff is well again. If I, I would know, dock, I, you know, I'm not docking it too much at all. But like, yeah, if I I was like I was like I'm glad we got out when we did because we were getting a little sticky right there with the dragon and donkey. <laughs> I do feel like they did a great job. Uh, here's another note. Uh, stealing from Toy Story, the montage over a song mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to tell stories. I feel like the montages in this film are super effective. Yes. The Shrek and Donkey journeying to Duloc, and then the Monster and Me oh, falling in love I montage love it so is much. amazing. Perfect, perfect. The bird. There's there's like three iconic things back to back that I personally underrated, and I want to bring them up. This is going to be my last thing. The bird singing competition where the bird explodes and the legs are smoking. (laughs) The Robin Hood sequence with the hilarious song that like unlocked in my mind 
like a sleeper cell agent. Monsieur Hood. And then the Kung Fu Fiona Charlie's Angels rip with the hilarious music. Yes. When the beauty's with the beast, it makes me awfully mad. It's my, it's my mad. Now I'll take my blade and ram it through your eyes. Keep your eyes on me, boys, because I'm about to start. <laughs> Man, that was annoying. Oh, you little... You are the one who just made me connect that that's a Charlie's Angels rep. Oh my god! But they because they would have come out like at the exact same time almost, so that's kind of wild. It would have been. I don't know if it's a coincidence or mm. not, but the idea that she would do kung fu out of nowhere for no reason, right? It's that very she would know like hand to hand combat yeah. like that to late '90s action music like that, yeah, is a is a big coin. I don't know, man. That's a big coincidence to me. <laughs> But, you know, I'll never know. These movies take forever to get made. So, I don't Who know. Knows? The last thing I want to say is, uh, let me tell you, Shrek, uh, a guy who's misunderstood a lot with a big belly and no butt, relatable. <laughs> relatable. All right. That's all I got. What you got? What you got? Somebody once told me, God, All-Star rips. Oh, yeah. We didn't fucking talk about Smash Mouth at well, all. Well, we're talking about it now. The, <laughs> we the did film opens bit. with uh, All-Star that song rips. That song rips and everybody get out of my face if you don't think so. Who doesn't immediately get hype when they hear All-Star? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, people who um, don't like themselves. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I also, kind of on the, the same lines of that, I love the soundtrack for this. You, you mentioned it, Hallelujah. Um, the soundtrack version is Rufus Wainwright, which is not in the film, which is strange, but I mean, Hallelujah is one of the greatest songs ever written and it's use in the movie is so beautiful and so effective my beloved monster sequence is like maybe one of my favorites in the whole movie yeah can i ask you something have you ever seen the movie version the Zack snyder movie watchmen no i've not okay go on oh god <laughs> i'm scared um but you know obviously all-star i'm a believer like uh, this soundtrack is so amazing but also the score is really good because the first thing i wrote was when the book opens up and that da 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 that score is so amazing and it immediately transports me and like it's just i think that what a beautiful balance that like the soundtrack and the score both work together and it's using these kind of classical sounds with these modern songs and it still really works for me it's just really really great I loved in the scene where they're rounding up the fairy tale creatures, which again, like isn't given a ton of backstory as to why they're doing that. It's fairy tale. I guess it doesn't matter, but in hindsight, it's like, maybe we should know why they're doing that. Um, I love the old woman trying to sell donkey. I just love that voice actress. Cause I love the way she says, I'm the talkingest damn thing you ever saw. I thought that was really funny line reading. Um, again, this is just a whole sequence of, I wrote five like four Eddie Murphy quotes in a, in a row because his voice is so burned into my brain with the way he says, because I'm all alone. There's no one here beside me, but you gotta have friends. As I said earlier, 
I like that boulder. That's a nice boulder. And then, of course, truly the greatest. We can stay up all night swapping manly stories. And in the morning, I'm making waffles. I never noticed he says swapping manly stories until I was watching with captions today. And I love the phrase swapping manly stories. Uh, Really made me laugh. Obviously, the Muffin Man sequence is so good. But I personally love the Magic Mirror dating game, like 70s dating sequence that's so good where it's like yes that was her hobbies are cleaning up for her two evil sisters cinderella like that that whole sequence is so fucking funny and so brilliant um another god every single sequence in this movie is so good because then we immediately go into the them arriving at duloc having the little duloc song the welcome to duloc with the great wash your face joke right into the bad reputation sequence that fucking rips that sequence of shrek kicking ass and the woman screaming the chair give him the chair is so good Yeah, the wrestling gag yeah it's it's great and then we go into the onion have ogres have layers like an onion parfait combo it's like everything that happened i was like it's all so good I love the dragon sequence, the whole, like, not the dragon, like, you know, we talked about it, it's a little sticky. I love the chases with the dragon and that huge kind of Minds of Moria feeling kind of chase where they're running around after sure. they've gotten Fiona and they trap the the dragon and they, they leap, that amazing shot of them leaping while the fire is bubbling behind them. Like, that was some of the best looking animation in the film to me. Uh, really amazing. Um, them looking at the stars and the moon. What a really beautiful, lovely moment that like, again, it, it brings, it starts to, that's when the heart begins to layer in, right? That's when that, that, that sort right. of layer, like, like an, <gasps> onion. an onion, the movie has layers like an onion, because then immediately we start building on that beautiful kind of emotional scene with donkey and Shrek into the love story with Fiona and Shrek. And I agree, like the way they use montage to kind of fast track that love story um, doesn't feel rushed like it in another in a worser movie in a worse movie it would probably feel rushed but it just doesn't here it feels so natural that song is so perfect for the two of them and I think that it's sweet because in hindsight you get those kind of hints that Fiona's an ogre right when she like gets the flies and she kind of licks her fingers you know because she also likes the way it tastes like we get these little hints that she's an ogre in that sequence as well in a way that I think is really fun and then falling in love is just it just it it makes so much sense. And I do think that Shrek 2 is such a brilliant sequel because it leans into that relationship and exploring that more. And uh yeah, man, these movies are great. And I do love Fiona's arc as, you know, learning to love who she is, even though she finds it to be a place of shame, because she finds someone else who sees her for who she is and loves her for exactly the person she is and isn't asking her to change or be someone she's not. Uh, And I think that that's a beautiful thing when you first find like anybody I think can relate to that when you first find your person, this person who sees you for who you are and loves all of those cracked, messed up pieces of you um it's a really special beautiful thing and i think that the way they use that to sort of put beauty and the beast on its head uh is really moving i'm tearing up what the fuck is wrong with me um i wrote the hallelujah cover everything shifted lives were changed uh and then i think the last thing that we should talk about is farquad just fucking dies he gets killed yeah he gets brutally as i alluded to in the synop he in two bites and then there's just like everyone's moved on <laughs> like they fully gets eaten and dies the political infrastructure of duloc is not something that is brought up in shrek 2 <laughs> as far as no, I know. they go to far far away and that's pretty much it well even then i was talking to a friend about shrek 2 spoiler alert if you haven't seen shrek 2 
skip forward 15 seconds uh the villain in that also gets killed like just fully gets like oh, murdered yeah, so like right. and also puss in boots the new puss in boots also deals with death in very blunt ways so i just feel like shrek as a series is just like not afraid to kill its villains but i mean i think of beauty and the beast the it doesn't gaston tales. just fully fucking die we talked about that too if you pause it at the right time, Gaston has skulls in his eyes as he falls from the tower. So they're kind of, they're, they're given that old. It's a fairy tale yeah. thing. Fairy tales, people died all the time. There we go. That's really all my popcorn notes. That was really long. I apologize. Do we even like 10 stars, right? Do we even bother? No, I mean, like, Shrek one on. and two also spoiler for a future episode. They're both five star movies for me. I love those movies so much. Yes. There's nostalgia fog. But also, it's a good movie. You just have to open your heart to it. And everyone, go watch Shrek the Musical. That is my homework to everyone on this earth. Because it's just Shrek, but with great songs. I, I, before we do our little Please. show, I, I do. I feel, I feel like it would be remiss if we didn't talk about an elephant in the room for most of our audience. What? The 70 millimeter guys did Shrek like two and a half years <laughs> ago or something. And they hate, well, Slim liked it because, of course, because Slim's real. Right. Slim's a real one. He gets it. He gets it. He gets us. Danny and Proto did not. Now, (laughs) if you're like 10 years older than us, Amnesty, I think, totally understood why you hated Shrek then and you hate it now. I feel like this is for like us and our parents and everyone else in the middle gets forgotten (laughs) a little bit. Shall we do our little show? Let's do our little show. I I love gold. Here, here's something I actually just remembered while we were recording. This was the first Academy Awards that now that awarded a best animated feature. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to celebrate this, they brought the well, they quote unquote brought. They pointed a camera at some empty chairs, and the computer, the animated characters were there at the Oscars. <gasps> what? So you had like Sully and Mike. Yeah, remember this? They had Sully and Mike. They had Shrek and Donkey. It was very cute. Oh my gosh, uh, I'm looking it up now. Why don't they do this anymore? <laughs> That's so funny. Eagle-eared listeners will remember that this is the 2002 Academy, the 2002 Academy Awards. Sorry, that's right. <gasps> where Gosford Park lost to A Beautiful Mind. A lot of things that are great lost to A Beautiful Mind. And yeah, David Lynch lost to Ron Howard. Can I tell you, have you looked up the video of the animated characters at the Oscars? To see who the presenter for this award was? I haven't seen it in 20 years, but let me do it right now. Well, you're gonna, your jaw's gonna drop to the floor when you see who's presenting this to the best animated feature at the 2002 Oscars. Oh my motherfucking God. It's Austin Danger podcast legend Nathan Lane. Nathan oh Lane. Oh my God. I clicked it and oh, saw Nathan man. Lane. Time is a flat circle. We are. These we, little animated things are so cute. I cannot believe how cute this is. And then Shrek and Donkey Donkey kisses Shrek when they win. And it's super cute. Oh my gosh. I love that they animated that. That's so actually adorable. What you may not remember is that Shrek was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. A Beautiful Mind beat the screenplays for Ghost World, In the Bedroom, The Fellowship of the Ring, and Shrek. So in my personal opinion, and I'm spoiling a couple future episodes here, four of the most brilliant adapted screenplays of all time lost to A Beautiful Mind by the writer of Batman and Robin, Akiva Goldsman. So oh. Oh. there we go. Wow. 
Wow. A very complicated Academy Awards. There's there's a bunch of awards Shrek won because I don't know if you heard. It's actually pretty great. At the BAFTAs, they were nominated for Best Film, Eddie <gasps> Murphy for Best Actor. Yes! Best Sound and Score. And they won Best Adapted Screenplay. Damn right. That's like actually very deserved it's a it's a great screenplay it's funny it like again the it's breezy it's like it's very well adapted from the source material i that's amazing i think that's really cool that the screenplay got so much attention exactly and, and finally i'll mention and there's a bunch again you go on imdb and check out their barely legible now award page they've <laughs> completely ruined all of their shit now now all of it's terrible but you could go and look if you want <laughs> in 2020 the movie was added to the library of congress's collection of films so it is deemed culturally significant enough to be in the library of congress now very quickly we will move on to the alan parsons project this is the segment where we tie our movie of the week into the austin powers trilogy very obviously mm-hmm. mr mike myers is our biggest link he uh was doing scottish accents anyway so why not one more in a, in an, again, as Mackenzie said earlier, a really brilliant performance, a mm-hmm. fully human performance that he did to like basically an audio engineer. I will also say it, it says here that Smash Mouth also links. What? I am in the process of figuring out how because I'm not seeing the Austin Powers credit in their IMDb. They but did a song seeing, for the gold go. member soundtrack called Ain't No Mystery, is what I'm saying online. Yes, 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 that's correct. So Smash, they brought Smash Mouth back for gold member, which would make sense if they blew up after Shrek in terms of being connected to Mike. Oh, they are credited for appearing in the Weird Al Yankovic live DVD because Weird Al does Walking on the Sun as a part of his polka medley. So you the just heard that. The song that they did for so Austin Powers it. is not bad. I mean, it's oh, a really? Smash Mouth song. So if you don't like Smash Mouth, it's probably not. <laughs> the bar is low, right? But like, it's pretty fun. It's pretty funky. It has it has fake, you know, it has like fake uh, record scratch noises. Classic, you know? <gasps> sure. The, the chorus goes, I'm a mystery man doing what I can with a continental international plan. That's the chorus. <laughs> that has to be another song. Like mystery men is a movie I really want to see. I feel like they had smash mouth, write Like 15 songs. Cause I think, I think all star, the video for all star may be a tie in to mystery men as well. Oh, that's wild. I don't know. Look, I just work here. Some other links very, very quickly that you've heard of. Willie Nelson, Neil Diamond, Don LaFontaine in a world. Remember? Mm-hmm. Norman Gimbel, which is a name I've read before on this show. And, of course, returning George Daring. We love him. We love the way he appears as a musician in many films, including Marry Me. <gasps> marry me, marry me, say yes. <laughs> marry, me, marry me, marry me, say yes. And the Fablemans, so a recent return. Ah, oh, the Fablemans. The Fablemans. Whatever you bet do you her. didn't think you'd ever hear this again, but here <laughs> we are. These are dreams that you never These are up dreams. From. There you are. You're over there. 
We have two U's over there this week. Our first letter comes from Ryan, whose subject line says, I know you love Shrek because we've watched it 12 times. Uh, hey, everybody. I am from Illinois. Isn't that weird? Hello, hey. Kevin. <laughs> Welcome. I'm also in Illinois right now. Uh, hello, Kevin McKenzie, new listener to the podcast here. I come to you from Big Screen Sports Pod by way of the Rank Kings Pod, where I've oh, gained. Wow. Hi. Welcome. Where I've gained recent notoriety for my Glenn Powell takes. Different story, different day. Look, Ryan. Oh, my. I'll stand by you and not liking Glenn Powell. It's okay. Well, let's not, not litigate this today. He's not all that in a bag of chips and Top Gun Maverick. Ryan continues, I am a movie nerd, but I would not say I'm a movie buff. There are huge gaps in my filmography, but I love making lists and keeping track of trivial things like what other movies bit actors have been in. Perfect for this pod. That is indeed. I'm a huge Austin Powers and Mike Myers fan going back to the days of early childhood when Saturday nights I would wait until my parents went to bed and try so hard and usually fail at staying awake to watch SNL. Wayne's World 1 and 2 are two of my favorite and most quoted movies, as are all three Austin Powers films. As an elder millennial, I was the target audience for Austin Powers. I was 14 when iMom was released. In 1999, I used my birthday money to buy a DVD player, and The Spy Who Shagged Me was the first DVD I bought. Dr. Evil and Minnie honking a horn and riding on the little scooters burned into my brain because it was the screensaver video on the home screen of the DVD and would play constantly on loop on nights where I fell asleep watching the movie. Oh my gosh. There was one night where I went to sleep at my cousin's house and the mummy is what was playing. So waking up to yeah. that screensaver was horrifying. Uh, but I, I uh, the family guy screensavers for DVDs would be yes. the same five or six clips over and over. Yes. So I used to fall asleep to those. I always oh fall asleep Will Ferrell as the knight saying there's a, there's one where Will Ferrell's a knight and he's saying, what's your fat ass doing here? <laughs> it's my only means of conveyance <laughs> drilled into my, that was a, Oh my gosh. Oh, that well, was a deeply ingrained memory. <laughs> basically, no, basically we can relate to falling asleep to a DVD. Oh, the bygone era. Um, Ryan continues. I was a sophomore in college when gold member came out. A buddy and I still say smoke and a pancake frequently to this day. And up till last week, I, and up until last week when I rewatched I mom, I still had gold member ranked higher than international man of mystery needless to say i'm loving the pod i started listening a week ago i've been 16 episodes so far i started with the beginning and have jumped around a bit through movies i've seen some of my favorites so far have been the original trilogy axe murderer wayne's world private parts and con air i'm very much looking forward to watching along as the new episodes come out each week i'm watching shrek for the first time in probably 20 years right now as i write this looking forward to next week you both make me laugh all day and i truly enjoy hearing your opinion on these films keep up the great work and know that you are both sexy bitches ryan <laughs> thank you thank you that's a lovely letter that's a great thank letter you for, and and welcome welcome this is, a, this is a great time to be a rankings fan and an austin nature podcast fan as i'll all say yes but uh thank you i will also say like the sexy bitches thing reminds me of that <laughs> do you remember that clip i always talk about where mike myers is they're gonna do bbc by Ming T yes. on the MTV Awards. And he goes, I'd like to thank my wife, Robin, and I'd love to shag you all, baby. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, Mike. So silly. To the BBC. Uh, we have the sorry, the subject line is so wild. We have a, an email from Corey. And it's yes. oh yes, what do you say? Corey, Corey is a dear friend of the show. You'll remember him from I think he wrote he, one other time. Yes, but he did. Yeah. Recently he did the amazing fashion criticism. Yes, of Spice, for World. Spice World. Yes, 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 yes. Uh the subject line for this is Irony Chernobyl, parenthesis, or on the, <laughs> on the third day, Shrek was reborn as a meme. 
Hello, oh God, Mackenzie. Hello, Kevin. I don't think I've had a genuine conversation about Shrek since I was like 10. This isn't to say That's that true. <laughs> this isn't to say that I was ever really seeking out conversations about Shrek to begin with. By the time Shrek 2 came out, I was knee-deep in edgy video games and death metal, so it just left my brain. As far as I was concerned, Shrek was a funny bunch of movies that sprinkled the 2000s and kept Mike Myers alive in our hearts. Oh, here it is. When I graduated college, Shrek was a very, very different thing. Shrek is love. Mm -hmm. Shrek is life took over the burgeoning deep fried internet meme sphere. People started making all-star SoundCloud shit posts attributing it to Shrek. I remember a really weird Shrek horror game that someone made. All of this meme stuff just flooded the internet. And as social social media became more omnipresent, especially as Twitter and Tumblr began to cross-pollinate, Shrek was reborn as a meme. I spent a lot of time during the pandemic on voice chat in a lot of different circles. One in particular was a private fashion discord. The age range was wide. Oh, here it comes. Some folks in their 40s, some just graduating high school. And one day we were talking about doing a movie night and someone brought up doing Shrek. A teenager from Denmark responded by singing All Star, reminiscent of last week's episode. He then said he never saw the movie. He just knew it from the memes. The internet is this weird place where things are ripped apart from their context, flattened, transformed, and contorted into something that barely resembles the original. Plutophonics? Remix culture, what have you. Shrek for me was one of the first true instances of the internet completely divorcing something from its original context and turning it into something completely detached from it. I saw the term irony poisoning, quote unquote, used a lot in the greater conversation about the communication on the internet on the back half of the 2010s going into the 2020s. And I can't help but go back to Shrek as the UR example of that very distinct 2010s brand of irony poisoning. This feels beyond even that, though. This entire, the entire earth of Shrek was salted to the point of it being, for lack of a better term, an irony Chernobyl. To go back to the start of the email, I haven't had a genuine conversation about Shrek since I was 10, so I'll leave you with this. I would rewind to the Welcome to Duloc. <laughs> I would rewind the Welcome to Duloc song over and over again because I thought the wipe your face line was the funniest shit. It still is. Peace and love, Corey. This is obviously a brilliant letter, and thank you, Corey, yes, thank again you for, for nailing. Corey, once again, has brought something to the table that I was wondering if we would have room for, and I'm just so glad, because it's true. But let me let me say this also. The Shrek the Third, there was something about it. Maybe it's because I was really into Tim and Eric, and they spent like a month and a half making fun of it, and they tried to crash the premiere and all this, like. There's something about that inflection point that also poisoned the well. Mm. So the well was already poisoned by the time it came back around to make it ironic. And I, I do wonder with things like the Shrek rave and like joking about Shrek, like, are the kids kidding? I have Because no this week, idea. as you heard, yeah, as you heard, we approach this as like a movie as we would private parts or weekend at Bernie's or <laughs> chairman of the board. Right. Or, or the birdcage, right. We approached it like we were just watching it. Yeah. And it's actually mechanically a really brilliantly constructed, well done, funny movie with maybe some needle drops that are of the time, but still great. Nostalgic are warm great. and fuzzy enough. So I don't know. I do agree, though, that it is now the idea of Shrek, the character, and a handful of things you may remember. It's super which, to divorced. Corey's point, does illustrate a bigger issue about pop culture. Yes. Yeah, it's super divorced from the film. Like, Shrek as a character is very divorced from the film at this point in meme culture. And that's what I kind of referred to earlier when I was like, the staying power of Shrek is almost impressive with how long 
because of the memeage of the character, uh, the film somewhat, or at least the ghost of the film has been able to really exist in culture for the last 20 plus years. It's really wild. It's impressive. Not a lot of other movies can say they did that, you know? And to bring it full circle, it's just like when people love talking about the fucking Elvis voice. It'll be there for a long time. Right? I mean, also like Austin Powers still has that kind of, like, it's not as meme to Shrek, yes. but Austin Powers is also similarly like a film that has sort of been revitalized through memes and through quotes that still sort of float around on the internet. Like maybe Mike has the, the Midas touch for these things. And like Shrek, at least the first Austin Powers has a humanity and a heart. Yeah. I've harped on this a lot on the show. Like Austin Powers one does take place in a real world, yes. not ours of course, but a real world that makes sense and has, that feels real-ish. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, that was a great letter. That's going to give me a lot to chew on. And I think that that was a really, really wonderful way of putting it. And I loved how much thought went in that letter. Uh, and if you want to send us a letter of any kind, you can email us at austindangerpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us a letter, a voicemail about Shrek, about Weekend at Bernie's, any film we've watched, Austin Powers, anything you want. Some great examples of great letters tonight. Uh, or you can even email us about whatever we're watching next week. Because we're officially here at the time where I, this week, will be spinning the wheel to determine what we're watching next week. That's right. Oh, and as you spin the wheel, I also want to say we didn't get to do it this week because, well, you looked at the runtime of this episode on your podcasting app. You know, it's Shrek. We really blew it out. But Usually on other weeks, we will read letterbox reviews of movies that we've covered on the show. All you have to do oh, is yes. tag Austin Danger Podcast, Austin Danger Pod, ADP. We're watching all the tags, kids. We're watching the tags. We're watching them tags. We're liking them from our HQ page, uh, and we're keeping up with them. And when we have time, we will indeed read them. That's right. And if you review Chairman of the Board, that's a guaranteed spot. Remember, I promised. Okay, Mackenzie, enough. Spin the wheel. <laughs> last year we discussed a film that is part of sort of an unofficial series of films that feature a group of comedic actors that they did a lot of different films with each other through the late 90s and early 2000s and we have spoken with these films with a lot of love and we initially started with Best in Show last year. I knew it. We're back, baby. And we are back with Christopher Guest's oeuvre, but not with the film you're thinking. A film that a while ago I gave a low rating and have been thinking about revisiting to try again. We are not talking Waiting for Guffman next week, but we are talking Damn. A Mighty Wind. God damn, this is the biggest year in Awesome Danger Podcast history. <laughs> I, you know, I have been wanting to revisit this one. I initially gave it a pretty low rating when I first watched it. Uh, not, and I, and I don't think that's a spoiler because I think I have a different movie watching brain on now, and uh, I am actually super, super interested to watch A Mighty Wind. Uh, and I love any excuse to return to the Christopher Guest, you know troop of actors so this is going to be fantastic i will say i've revisited this movie recently i loved it just as much as i did literally literally 20 years ago 
with the exception of one joke and what that joke is, you will find out next week. I think, but if you've seen it recently, yeah. you know what it is. I think that joke is why I gave it a low rating. And I want to maybe try to like not judge the film for that one joke and see if I can view it through a new lens. So next week, we are continuing our Christopher Guest journey with A Mighty Wind. Return, if you will, to the new Main Street singers, the Folksman, Mitch and Mickey. Will they all reunite? Will they film that PBS special? Find out with us next week, next Monday on Austin Danger Podcast. But until then, from Mackenzie, this is Kev. Austin Danger Podcast, peace. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Austin Danger Pod. This episode was mixed and edited by me, Mackenzie. Thanks for listening. Oh,